Why are 737s crashing? And the TSA will make you undress. Let's, Let's learn, learn a thing or two. two. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Two Top Pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Two you know Top what? Podcast. Welcome, We're not doing any other. <laughs> welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. Welcome back, all you uh, international fans out there. Yeah, you know we pick up a lot of fans. I I was sticker bombing all of Europe while I was gone. Well, I guess that dives us right in. Matt and I have both been traveling. International superstars. Yeah, we try a little bit. You know, how many countries did you go to? I did three. Wow. And the third one was an accident. Uh-oh. So we did... Uh, we've all done that. So we did Ireland, and then we drove up to Northern Ireland, which is a different country. Yeah, it's split. There's some controversy there, Thomas. There is. And then we went to Belgium as well. So Northern Ireland was nice. a nice treat. Yeah. I can see why they do a bunch of like medieval like films and stuff there, because like I was definitely getting that vibe. Is the grass really nice there? Yeah, it was really green. It did snow, mm-hmm. but... On other days, it, it was really like it was really green and lush yeah. when we were driving through the hills. I can just picture it. Those cliffs. I saw the I saw the pictures, Thomas. There's more. You coming. saw those cliffs. I did. I saw the the real deal. That's a bucket list thing for me to see you, those cliffs. You should They're definitely so cool. go. Yeah. You, you, if you can find the right time to go, you can go for a pretty decent price. Is that on the east or west coast? That is on the east coast. Okay. Okay. That nope. That's on the west coast. On the Atlantic Ocean. Yes, it's You're on like, the Atlantic. Okay. That's cool. But Matt, you also traveled. Yeah, I went down to Central America. Well, actually, you know what? Central America, people are like, what continent is that? I'm like, well, Central America is not a continent. There's North America and there's South America. Technically, it's part of South America, I believe, because it's at the lower portion of Central America, which actually puts it in South America. And I've been to South America before, but Costa Rica, different experience. I'll tell you. Costa Rica is on... The, on a little strip, you know, yeah. it's, it's above Panama, not quite to the big continent, but it's a thin little strip that tapers up. You have two coasts, you have Pacific Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean. I was on the Atlantic side, but okay. uh, I got to see a lot of the country. Uh, it's, I guess around. it's not that small. Yeah. Did you it's rent not a that car? Small. Or we did, did rent a car. Yeah. I was renting a car and, uh, well, down there. I didn't drive, but every car, when you rent down there, it's manual transmission. So it's fun it's like and literally this is how i describe it this isn't it's like mario kart down there and everybody says like traffic laws are only a suggestion they're not actually was it stressful they are regulated you know what i thought it was fun it was a vacation and i was like this is fun you know anything could happen go with it and we had like a was it like a four-hour car ride from the airport to the coast you know going through the mountains it's the dry season so there are forest fires it was it was, you know, off the grid. Like the roads there, Thomas, gravel, not even paved. Potholes. Now was that's fun. an adventure. Four wheel drive is a must. So you traveled a bit, I traveled a bit, and that kind of leads into what I want to talk about this week. I am talking about travel, or at least the way we get to places. A crucial step. Which, I mean, Matt, how did you get to your location? I walked. No, I flew. <laughs> I also flew, and during one of the legs of our trip, I flew on a 737. Yes, as did I. The classic Both flights. Uh, three, three and three, like six, six per row. Mm-hmm. Small aircraft for like short to long mid distances. Yeah, and it's Boeing's poster child. 
And I wanted to talk about the 737 today because it's been in the news recently. This, Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, the 737 MAX. But before we get to the most recent iteration of the 737, we have to go... Take us back. All the way back to the first what 737. What year did it come out? I'm not even sure. It's probably the, recent, right? Uh, no, the original 737 came out in 1965. Jeez. Yeah, all these airplanes, I'm shocked to discover that they're pretty old designs, mostly from the 60s, 70s into the 80s. Like, the core design hasn't been drastically altered. It's pretty much been the same. But, mm-hmm. yeah, the first 737 was invented in 1965. It was a new commercial twin jet that placed the wi- the engines under the wings opposed to on the fuselage. Yeah. So it was kind of like, it was a, like a completely new concept at the mm-hmm. time. And it was kind of like the forefront. So this jet was, um, it was invented and it started to go into development. And people were using them, obviously, yeah. to travel. They were the perfect plane for like the mid distance. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't for the transatlantic journey. But it was for all the smaller things. Now, you did a transatlantic journey on it, though, right? No, I did a Ireland to Belgium. Oh, okay. I was going to say because I, was, I wasn't sure. You're saying it's like a short to mid-range, but Atlantic Ocean is a pretty, pretty long-range trip. Yeah, so it's distances are normally between 50 and 1,000 miles mm-hmm. is like the range that it travels in. Yeah. So that's pretty far, pretty short. But they've been selling hundreds like a fun fact i found out is every minute there's about a thousand 737s in the air and there's one I believe it, there's yeah. one taking off and landing like every couple like every minute is mm-hmm. there's one coming up and down that's how like much they're in the sky these days yeah and i can actually tell you the breakdown of like who owns which so there's in total 10,510 that have ever been created. 10,510. With the, there's, let me tell you this. So they were so popular that in the first year they were invented, 1967, only four were ordered. The next year, 1968, 105 were ordered and delivered. Big jump. jump. Hire a couple more employees to build them, right? Yeah. And even like this model has continued to increase that in last year, 2018, 580 were delivered to airlines across the world Mm -hmm. that's how popular this plane is yeah it does the job it's proved itself obviously over the years now there's been a lot of like variants obviously they're not flying the same plane from 1963 no definitely not they're brand new ones out there i've seen them this is like the equivalent of like the iphone and like the iphone 10 like they're both iphones but we've come a long way same concept completely different can i build you know right yeah so the original is called the uh 737 uh 100 series okay and this is this is all by boeing right yes this is all boeing okay so these are like the first ones that they made and they have more old-fashioned narrow circular engines that are still placed under the wing but they're not obviously they're not as popular i've seen i've seen the old jet engines yeah they're long and skinny but like you can always also tell by the interior too like how they look Mm -hmm. but then there's a 737 classic which started development in the 80s which is obviously newer generation starting to the new engine has been developed of it's kind of 
it's kind of circular but it's a little flatter on the bottom mm-hmm. it's you know it's more efficient it's the fuselage is more flat on yeah. the bottom yeah yeah i think i can picture that and then um now we get into what i really want to talk about today is the next generation these 737 max jets do you think i've flown on one i've flown on some pretty new looking jets like one of my flights recently was very very nice the whole i mean obviously they can redo the interior but the external design it's it's pretty similar it's hard to tell other than kind of like that engine shape you can tell by fuselage shape you can kind of tell by the engines and the winglets as well yeah yeah so you can tell if you're on a classic series because the classic series doesn't have winglets yeah all the new ones have the winglets and and you're referring to the little bits on the end of the yeah, wings right up. yeah and then the next generation has a single winglet going up mm-hmm. and now these new 737 they yeah they have one that goes up and then one that goes down is so that the max that's the max okay so i've flown on a max i've seen it and their cool engines little... also have the chevron on the back that's not like you know when you look at an engine. I'll just trying to picture it. I always look at it at the engines, Thomas, because I want to know. You see like this, the like oh. the chevron shape. Yeah, that's a max. Yeah, that's a. I don't recognize that shape. It's like a. It's like someone took those little scissors that you cut. Yeah, paper, the like zigzag scissors. And so that's cut a circle in the that's back. the max nine CFM Leap One B engine, which is it's pretty high tech. Yeah, pretty efficient too. I'm sure, right? Yeah, they are high level super efficient. Yeah. Now, the real reason that it's coming up right now is, uh, I mean, I personally, we've been flying, so I've been thinking about planes. But also in the news, like within like the time of me traveling and you traveling, there's been a, an accident. Yeah. Uh, a 737. Yeah, an yeah. Ethiopia flight of the Max 10. I mean, the 737 Max. Yeah. The brand new one. And so much so that it's had ripples across the national stage that 737s are actually being grounded right now they're 737 maxes the new ones yeah i mean that's common procedure like one goes wrong they have to put everyone down and see if it's a structural flaw you know see if it's like any damage in materials or whatever well normally like if a one plane it's fine but this is not the first time that this plane has crashed so the brand new planes are crashing Yes, uh, there's you know a, why. What are the get into the the what, what do you call them? Get into the, and now into the theories. So it's kind of it. we go back to the idea of singularity of like robotics and mm-hmm. humans interacting with one another. Oh, it's is a, it a software? It's thing? a software error. Oh, of you know pilots. Pilots know their planes. They know how to fly their planes, and they have an understanding of it. Yeah. But the new software in these planes, like if you are doing a maneuver that could potentially put you in a stall or doing some maneuvers, the plane will correct for that. Yeah, autocorrect. Okay. But the plane also, there's new autocorrection features that many pilots may not have been informed of. Because it's brand new. And you, these pilots are kind of getting in a software fight with these planes. Wow. And because of that is where we're kind of getting these crashes from. Mm-hmm. And the Lion Air crash and the Ethiopia crash are very similar circumstances. What happened? Can you can you lay it out for me? Because I, I don't know. Was it bad weather and they got disoriented? Like a no, it, hypoxia type? It was a basic kind of flight? It was a basic, uh, it was a pretty basic flight. But let me, uh, let me read you. That must be terrifying so to feel like kind of a machine takeover. 
you know and, and most of these flights everything is pretty much automated i mean for the past y many years it's been automated from even takeoff to landing but mostly like the the pilot will do the takeoff and landing but the mid-flight is all automated kind yeah. of because all you have to do is stay on your heading you know unless if there is you know turbulence they might take over autopilot's a real thing and, it, and it's historically worked small planes big planes but obviously the autopilot is doing some bad things midair right yeah so let me tell you what's going on so let's go over the last six minutes of this ethiopia flight so okay, the pilot so it's toward the end of the flight yeah so yeah. the pilot well the end of the crash um, like the, the crash was six minutes after takeoff mm -hmm. so uh the pilot announced that there was flight control problems shortly before the crash and he apparently he was having difficulties with the flight controls of the airplane so he asked to return back to base mm -hmm. to return back yeah common good thing so he was granted permission and at the same time he was granted permission he disappeared off radar so that's weird what uh, happened there just stop transmitting signal because they were on crashed oh because they crashed there's no yeah. signal to transmit jeez so it escalated that quickly yeah it was the pilot realized like okay something, something's wrong i gotta go back and the next thing you know they crashed so this is talking about uh the line air threat flight uh, the data retrieved from the flight recorder showed that the pilots repeatedly were repeatedly fighting the new override fighting to override the new safety systems installed in the max 8 plane which is called the maneuvering characteristic augmentation system or mcas i'm trying to figure what that would be doing during like the ascent you know so apparently though it was responding to faulty data suggesting that the plane's nose was tilted in a higher angle than it actually was indicating that the plane was at risk of stalling pulling the nose nose down, down. Oh, more than two so while they're times. going up the software thought it was like well they this. well they thought they were going up like this the software thought it was going up oh like this. it was over calibrated so it wants to point it down and yeah. obviously the pilot was probably like pulling back Fighting on it back, and the plane yeah. was like just like no we're flying level yeah that's a complete boeing error that's not the pilots if it yeah so the that. pilots Jeez. would correct to the automatic the automatic nose down and two minutes after takeoff the same procedure happened again and again until the plane hurtled nose first into the sea that was the line air flight jeez and this similar was with ethiopia too. yeah similar with the ethiopia flight so these flights are awfully similar and this is not the first time that there's been instances of this software kicking in can they turn off the software is that are they, I'm sure the planes are flying now because they need them to be because it's an investment in getting people places. But I, I know they ground them when all these accidents happen. Do they like turn off the software? So like a lot of times people don't. They probably didn't know what was happening because this is a brand new software. So imagine yeah. like you're driving your car all the time and then you get a new car and the new car every it's time. It's like okay, it looks the same. Every time you get to the middle the middle of a lane it starts to swerve you back it's unsettling at first like if you don't know about how this new vehicle works you might not be like prepared you yeah. might think it's just the same as any other i'll catch you off guard for sure so it kind of goes into i kind of want to wrap this up because we've been talking about it for a while Keep going. yeah yeah but i just wanted to it really comes down to how much control should we 
leave into the pilot's hands. A pilot, pilots have been flying planes. I mean, we landed on the moon with less po- processing power than our phones. Mm-hmm. Like people have been. Pl- <laughs> that's that's a crazy thought, Thomas. People flew planes when it was a throttle and a stick and like some other like dials mm-hmm. with no automation. So these pilots are they're trained to fly these planes. So why do we have to give them so much automation? They're, question. They, it's supposed to make it easier, but obviously, obviously, if they're trained well. for it, then why make it different? You know, uh, it's so funny because just a minute ago, just a thought. Like I don't know, it was nice in the '60s when all these planes were in high demand and people were building them. Same idea with manufacturing. Like all these robots make it so much faster, quicker, more cost efficient to build things. But is that necessarily a good thing? Do we need the automation? Why can't we hire like real people to build? real airplanes or whatever we need at the time you know like spend a little money it just seems profit some people yeah it seems unnecessary sometimes for what we really need it for yeah so who knows i'm curious i'm gonna keep my eye on the news as much as possible maybe by the time this podcast comes out things have drastically changed Mm -hmm. more details have been found but i really think our pilots have been flying these planes for so long let's not take away their skills let's not impede on their skills yeah, let them fly the plane. That's what they're paid to do, right? Yeah. Love and they're they're good at it. I mean, there are rarely plane crashes. I mean, for every successful there's, flight. There's not a lot of pilot error crashes, yeah. it seems recently. Yeah. It all seems to be calculation errors. Yeah. But and, and crazy weather and who mysterious knows? aliens possibly the, yeah, the Bermuda flight. Yeah. Who you knows? Know. Malaysia could be a whole other episode. But Yeah. Let's hope this 737 max does not turn into yeah keep your eyes on the news and we'll see what happens yeah but matt i'm scared to fly on one to be honest you also traveled a bunch so do you have any travel stories? yeah thomas we're gonna stay at the airport but we're not gonna get on the plane yet we're gonna go through security the tsa this is specific to our american listeners because the tsa is the transportation security administration for america for us, TSA, you've all seen them. They're blue uniforms, the dogs sniffing around in your bags, you know, the whole procedure. Have you had any, like, bad TSA experiences? <laughs> so, actually, on this journey back, I had an interesting encounter with TSA because I did not do American customs in America. Hmm. I did American customs in Ireland. That's weird that you fly all the way and then you could get sent back if something's not right. Well, what's funny is, no, when we landed in America after Ireland... I could walk right out. Oh. So in the Ireland airport of Dublin, we went downstairs to this pretty much, I felt like I walked into mini America. There was American flags. Trump, a photo of Trump was on the wall. There's American dudes working security. They had had us take off our shoes. Mm -hmm. And um, they like went through like American customs, but in Ireland. Essentially, that's the American border right there. It's weird. Yeah, it was the American border before the flight. Yeah. So it was a surreal thing. But, yeah, American customs is always – they're always so angry in comparison to other customs. But I'm sure you have more on the TSA. Well, it's a fact that they're pretty underpaid for a pretty serious job. But some argue, as I've talked to some peers recently, that the TSA isn't really necessary. And there was actually a really cool episode of Adam Ruins Everything. Have you seen that show? Yeah. He talked about the TSA and how ineffective it is. And I would like to argue that because, well, here's just my main point. I think just implementing 
something there to take its place as security is a measure by itself even if their practices aren't effective but but they're trying obviously they have scanners and technology which i'll get into but just having a a a secure access point prohibits or will stop prematurely like people from bringing sketchy things to risk other people so that's what's wrong with that why would we complain about that i know it makes time to get on a plane take a little bit longer but it's for security there's nothing wrong with taking an extra step right i think it's just the just the thought that people are being screened is enough for people to be like oh we're safe you know Mm -hmm. it's the little things yeah so the modern tsa is concerned with uh primarily air travel but it also is um part of just public travel in general looking at kind of like infrastructure in america you know bridges tunnels all that stuff is covered it's a it's part of the department of homeland security but it wasn't originally it was originally part of the department of um, transportation Um, the program was put into place in um, november 19th 2001 by president george w bush obviously after the terrorist attacks and you know no one was really complaining because they wanted it to be safe on air travel before that i was like did they not have airport security they did it was just kind of not necessarily private contracted, but there were some private contractors working in airports to secure them. Private security, you know, it was like yeah. police. And, you know, you would go through kind of like a, they would wand you down and whatnot. But modern scanners are kind of relatively new for using. I mean, it's only been, you know, 18 years since this became a thing, which is pretty crazy because before that there were many flights, you know, since the 60s, we've had the 737. You know, people have been flying on. Who knows what they've flown on it with? So how accurate is TSA? Because I've accidentally gone through TSA with something in my pocket and like only found out later and they didn't notice. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I've, I've had things before. Like I recently, I was like, I asked my sister, I was like, can I bring this padlock and like steel rope, which looks like you could like choke someone with it. And I was like, they're definitely going to take it. Like, it's my loss, but, like, I'll bring it just in case. They didn't even question me about it. And I was like, what the heck? Then I look at the statistics, and they pull thousands of firearms, knives every year from people, you know, which is a good thing. But how can little things like that get across? Well, they have software that kind of picks it out with the different scanners. So, you know, it makes you wonder, like, what do the scanners look out for? And I, here's an interesting fact I, I found here. If you're carrying cheese or sausage in your bag, you need to remove it because the signature of these items is indistinguishable from explosives. Cheese or sausage, isn't that weird? That is weird. It comes up the same on software. And actually it's funny because my dad went through security and he had like a breakfast sandwich in his pocket through his scanner and they like freaked out. They're like, what do you have in your pocket? And they like made him put it in the thing, you know? Same with the chapstick. You know, they could think it's like a plastic explosive or something. I went through with chapstick one time thinking it was no big deal. But, you know, point is they can they can see everything, but it doesn't always trigger the alarm. Plus, you're not supposed to tell what they see on the scanner because there's all this con- concern for privacy because the scanners essentially do show your naked body, Thomas. In a sense. It's, they it's do. a little weird. And, and you know, there, there are different types of scanners, but the, the main one now just shows kind of a shape of the body and you've seen it maybe you've seen it on a screen with the guy behind the machine it seems to just like define things that are like that stand outside your body form so like if you had something in your pocket it would seem like to show up yeah yeah 
it shows the outline and kind of shape. So the, the main three sensors that are used are a millimeter wave scanner, a backscatter x-ray machine, and just standard x-ray. So the standard x-ray you can see with like bags. Your, your bags go through the machine and you can see like real fine line outlines, kind of blue and red lines with black, and you can see the general shapes inside. Yeah. And, and metal items will come up as kind of or something the shape i don't know about what color it is it, it, it could vary on the software but it doesn't necessarily show like red for an object so right. someone literally has to sit there and look through the shapes and see the outlines so they're trained in picking out those outlines now for the body scanners like like we said it just picks up kind of that general shape through these millimeter kind of wave scanners and it'll like put a box over an area they'll pat you down maybe they'll wand you they'll make you go through it again you know, they, of course, they ask you kind of not in a friendly tone. Do you have anything in your pockets, you know? Yeah, when I went through, I this my sides, like, showed up, and the guy kind of looked and then, like, patted my sides, and you're like, you're fine. I'm like, cool. Um, but also, it's funny, like, how accurate those metal detectors are. I yeah. kind of think it's like, oh, they're baloney or whatever. But um, I put my shoes my shoes through and the aglets are metal yeah and i got through before my bag got through so i was looking at the screen to see what showed up yeah and you could definitely see like the two rows of uh holes going through my shoe yeah yeah yeah. i was like oh wow look at they're that they're pretty accurate and people are like no but how come so much stuff gets through remember you're putting hundreds of thousands of people of people through each day and a, a, a person has to sit there yes it alarms when something is suspicious on there like obviously the shape of like a gun is a pretty yeah. common shape but you also know? there's so many different materials and like objects that it's impossible to sense everything so they go they only go after like the most important things yeah the two companies or, or two organizations, Lockheed Martin, which is aerospace technology, develops many body scanners that are in modern use today, as well as just military, like the Navy. Yeah. It's it's not many private companies, so I don't know if you're a private contractor and you're looking to get into something, maybe make a better scanner that makes everything faster. I don't know. You know, have you, have you been in the, the tube-looking one that goes around you? Yeah. That's the most modern rendition. The old school was literally just, they had two walls, and then they had the skinnier walls with the top on it, like a doorway kind of you walk through that's kind of the rendition of it so the tsa part of the reason it's so unpleasant is for the reason of safety they try to make it quick they not necessarily trying to make you break but they try to make it uncomfortable for people who are already uncomfortable going through it so if you relax going through it it's going to be easier for you if you have something to hide it's not going to be so easy for you you know i think it's also though i feel like when you travel like tsa is america but security across europe is different everywhere mm -hmm. like when i did um when i went dublin to belgium for that leg of the trip uh they didn't i didn't have to take off my shoes yeah but i didn't have to take my camera out of my bag you didn't but did. when i but then when i went from u.s to dublin i had to take it out of my bag mm -hmm. and then when i went brussels belgium to dublin i had to take it out of my bag but then when i had to do the american checkpoint in ireland i didn't have to take the camera out of my bag yeah it's, it seems like there's not a real standard procedure across every continent even well, if it's the same yeah, organization that's why which is strange only americans take off their shoes really that's an american customs thing i've probably only not taken off my shoes one time TSA pre-check is also a time that you don't have to take off your shoes. Yeah, you're already background checked and all that. Um, 
I there there was this interesting article online and a TSA agent was explaining it's hard to explain why a senior citizen can't t- keep his utility knife whereas like a man fresh out of prison can take bathroom scissors on a plane you know like yeah. to me that seems like yeah you could do some damage with scissors a senior citizen's probably not going to do anything with the knife shouldn't it be like flipped but no it's there's all these weird things and TSA agents are constantly trying to work with people and figure out like listen I you can't go on with that like I'm sorry but like you know it's all for the idea of safety so should, we shouldn't you know be aggressive toward a security measure right and what's the worst thing too is I feel like it's not like oh we'll hold on to this for when you get back it's like they toss it no, they, they toss literally it, toss yeah. it in front of you they toss it in the trash every year you can look they the TSA posts pictures of some of the craziest things they found and there are some crazy things. Like, I wonder if they auction that stuff. Actually, that that is, I don't know. That information is not public. Because I mean, they, they throw it. they throw it in the trash. So yeah. like, but that trash could be filled with knives and like pocket knives that people left, yeah. or like who knows what could be in there, or like some some pompous person thought they could bring their perfume through but didn't put it in a bag. Mm-hmm. So they're like, you need to throw this out. It's expensive perfume, you know. Yeah, it's like that type of stuff. I've I've heard stories of like agents taking like stuff like literally like just putting it in their pocket you know i saw at the philadelphia airport you know they took i don't know some lady had like pepper spray they took it behind the counter and stuck it in a file cabinet like organized it's a weird procedure and i i think the the system in place is is still pretty new like i know it's been going on for many years but but everything's really changing and adapting yeah. yeah only since the 2000s it's not like this is the way we do it this is the way we're going to keep doing it they have to constantly adapt and whether that's for the best or for faster, less secured travel, I we don't know, you know? You just have to experience it as it goes. Yeah. It's, Who, a, it's a weird procedure, you I'm know? I'm curious to see what changes with security once we kind of new developments and once maybe we get more lax with what's going on. Yeah. But we'll just have to wait and see. I'll put in one final comment. If you've seen the Rick and Morty episode where they're flying through space through time travel, Rick goes through security like a TSA checkpoint and it's like beep 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 like this person is the most dangerous person like and and he's like oh no they're going to lock him up but no they just stick a needle oh, yeah. in him. <laughs> make they take his smartness his intelligence away from him and he's just kind of like inhibited on the flight and they're like why um ban him from flying when he could still pay money and fly and then be safe yeah they just like dumb him down so it's like he's not going to do anything violent now there's literally that's like there's nothing wrong with that i think that's like a funny idea that's something <laughs> that's something like really modern that's actually a possible thing it's like you can bring your guns on the plane but we're gonna have to handcuff you to the seat it's like oh okay <laughs> okay like as long as i get there you use the guns later yeah exactly kind of like that it's like a crazy concept that's all too real but that's why it's in a cartoon and not real life yeah but <laughs> who knows well i guess we need to go travel again now and test all these things out and observe what planes were flying on what security is like in other countries yeah i mean i enjoy traveling like i can't wait to go back yeah me too i'm already planning my next trip for this summer um i like getting on the plane and seeing the different interior builds whether the plane's the same on the outside structurally i like to see like what amenities like where are the bathrooms located how do the carts organize themselves between different airlines too like every airline does it the airplane food always changes up too depending on who you're flying i've with. only had pleasant experiences with airline food <laughs> airline food i think i think, <laughs> I think airline food gets a bad rep from the movie airplane 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely there. Airplane's was... a classic movie, man. I haven't seen that. Do you, Roger, Roger, Roger. <laughs> what is it? What's your clearance, Clarence? All that good stuff. I'm going to go The fish is poisonous. All right. But that's what we have for this week's episode of Two Top, and we'll see you guys next time for another Two Topics. See ya.